Good start. morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at in the world today. Welcome back to Schoolhouse Cracked. As with, as always with me is Dr. Marcus Motorchandler, my good friend. Uh, got done last week running up and down a, a large mountain with a, a torn and pulled abducular uh, muscle. Glad to see you sitting up, and you, uh, thank you for being here. What did I call What did I do did wrong? Did you call it an abducular? No, I said abducular, like abduct, ab, ab, abductor. Abductor. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, at this point, I think it's been established neither one of us are physiological experts. <laughs> do uh, I have those, or do you just have those muscles? <laughs> you get them after a certain point in your career. Uh, it's like a professor emeritus. You get it at a certain level of distinction. Looking forward um, to it. With me, as always, is Mr. Brett Derrickson, longtime educator, administrator, inspirer of young minds, and lover of a good book. Yeah. So welcome to yeah. the hashtag... Band beat, but band book week. It is. Uh, we had just concluded in the United States uh, the week of banned books. So recognizing and appreciating um, all the quality literature that has come out of uh, American society and world culture. Um, that at some point American society and, and small subsets of our of our culture have said that's a bad book and we don't want it taught. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've always wondered why we would why we would ban books. I think uh, I think that we always there's always a time for us to say that um, in schools, you know, you and I are not so, um, so progressive or so anti-establishment that we don't work in public schools. We do recognize that school boards uh, need to exist and that cur curriculum needs to be vetted. Mm -hmm. um, but, but throughout my time as a, as a, as a history uh, major and as a history teacher, I've always been blown away that we ban these books and as we've gone into banning books like we've talked about the graphic novel mouse and other things i have always been unbelievably thwarted that the first amendment is one that we continuously throw away what is a book um, or curriculum or any idea that has alarmed you that we've tried to ban as people in schools what what's a book that I heard was people wanted to ban that I was surprised by? Yeah. Oh, um, well, the, uh, let me circle back first before I answer that. You you made a, a comment about the importance about a, a vetting uh, mm -hmm. curriculum for mm -hmm. kids. Um, so I, I would use the extreme example that like if I walk down the street and Kevin wrote a history book and he is like an engineer or he's living under a tree – um, I'm not necessarily going to treat that curriculum at the same level that Kevin wrote as I would um, a nationally research-based publishing house. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. And so um, at, at times I'm constantly amazed at things we try to ban um, that are – and this is an upcoming episode, folks, um, on diversity, equity, and inclusion, an ongoing theme. Uh, but, but books that are, um, uh, one, not, not what uh, the kids' parents grew up reading. So I anything that's like, hey, that's not the book I read in high school. Uh, they should read the book I read in high school and not this other crap. Mm -hmm. um, but then also, uh, sorry, that was my terrible impression of a crotchety old person. <laughs> I think uh, it's very, <laughs> very good. Uh, but, but anything that's a perspective that's outside of like the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just constantly amazed. It's like, how dare we bring in a voice that's not um, traditional Americana, apple pie, and pickup trucks? Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I, what I get surprised about is the waves um, in which we try to to ban books. So there's there's been a time where um, 
you know, we we talked about this earlier one time when we were just hanging out. Uh, to kill and mock, to, to kill and mockingbird oh, yeah. yeah. um, was was edgy. People people were not ready to take on the ideas um, that Atticus Finch, uh, the character, you know, the lawyer in the, in the book, um, who represents you know the protagonism of of looking for equality uh, in the South. People were were really not not ready for that book in in its time period to be something that shown as progressive in its time. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes a canon of American literature curriculum. Yeah, it's it's entrenched in American literature yeah. classes now to the yeah. point where like if America I was at a school where I was getting angry parent phone calls um as an administrator because we weren't teaching to kill a mockingbird and god damn it that's what I read as a kid yeah. and we were now reading The Book Thief. Yeah, and yeah. and that, but now we're swinging back even on To Kill a Mockingbird and and Tom Sawyer and some other books. I know some of this is for those of you who who follow these issues closely, it's not new to you, but the use of vernacular within its own time period has now become something like like with To Kill a Mockingbird, a school that I worked at, we had to go through the school board on whether or not we could get a version of the book that didn't use the N-word, hmm. or if it was going to be said by the teacher, or if it was going to be read at all, or if while we're reading it in front of the classroom, what what would we say? And certainly, I uh, you know, what a disgusting... Uh, word meant yeah, to dehumanize human beings, but to not acknowledge the use of it within with, its within its historical context. Right. I'm, with, not, I'm not advocating for the use of the word, but by not addressing the fact that that was used in common language. Well, in in uh, Antebellum South, right, like, that is, is forgetting a, an aspect of history that has informed American culture. Well, not only that, but then it, by not acknowledging how disgusting the word is and how it is used. Would then be then to take away the entire purpose of reading the book, which is to acknowledge like uh, how how we have categorically and unilaterally uh, mistreated people of color within our society and the courage that it takes mm-hmm. from a young girl to her 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 kind of you know unusual father in order to like uh, take that on in the face of 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 all kinds of of risk uh, yeah. to themselves. So the the point is 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 with banned books. Uh, you and I are super excited about this because it is Banned Books Week, or we're yep. just coming out of Banned Books Week, and um, we believe in books. I don't read ev- every book. I censor for myself what books I'm going to read or not going to read, but I, I more believe in the, ri- the right of expression within our country and the value of how challenging written expression and challenging spoken expression has um, either caused me to, to dig deep on my values or ask me to challenge why they existed in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And so the, the thing that just absolutely drives me nuts about banned books, and, and like this is something that's not unique to the last year in American society. We, we can go back 100 years and talk about the history of banned books in America and, and Catch of the Rye being banned mm-hmm. and uh, Fahrenheit 451 being banned and things that now are just read in commonplace. And that uh, history is not typically on the side of those that ban books yeah. um, because inevitably that book becomes available. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing that drives me nuts is, is the recent push within state legislatures um, to ban books. And, and here in Colorado, we, we have a book banning light is what I would call it. I don't think it's perceived as a book ban, but um, uh, a transparency around curriculum, which I'll get into in a moment. But the thing that drives me nuts is we have folks upset about books and they don't want their kids to read them. But so it, it, Brett, it, you've got three, three great, mm-hmm. great kids. But mm-hmm. if, if they were not allowed to read a book 
in their high school because it was offensive for whatever reason, uh, quote, offensive for whatever reason, what, what is the thing as a parent you're more worried about their exposure to? Oh, that's great. I, what I'm more worried about their exposure to is an influential adult who can act as a demigod, uh, much like a president could act as a demigod or, or anything else. Sorry, Marks. I know we've tried to avoid that. But the whole, the, <laughs> the whole point, though, is that if, if, if curriculum is pushed out and it has a name, if a book is pushed out and it has a name, then I, as, as, a, as a parent, can, can ask my, my, my children, where does this come from? What is their point of view? What are they really getting after? We can, we can look at the ideas. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the, thing that, the thing that I want to ban is stupidity, and we can't ban that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, want, I want all of the ideas out there. My, my, my sons and I were just staying up late the, uh, a couple weekends ago. You know, we'd watched, uh, you know, we, we like to watch college football. All the college football games were over. We, we wanted to kind of just chill out for an extra hour, and we started watching some American history documentaries. Uh, you know, I'm the nerd in the house. That that was the option I gave the kids. But the so whole you can point- go to better. You can watch. <laughs> you can watch FDR <laughs> and the New Deal. Yeah, not much. Not much better than that. But the whole point is, is uh, the documentary series. Like, I'm, I'm sure it was History Channel or or something similar. Was us. It's kind of like how we've how we've raised tyrants within our society, and it, and it just it it took on Mussolini, uh, Stalin. Uh, Hitler. Oh, I think uh, I saw this. Was this the How to Become a Tyrant? Yes, on and it's yeah. terrible. Yeah. It's so terrible. Yeah. I'm, and it's I, like a playbook on on how societies created their own. Tyrants. Yeah, but without any facts, any strong analysis, anything. It, it it really is good cinematography, but no more sophisticated than like freshman. Uh, videos that I had my, my students make for in five minutes. Or so a I, Facebook post we take us back. Right, yeah. and I had to turn to my sons, and I'm like, hey, you guys know this is total shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm like, let's just pause for a second. This is terrible. It's 1030 on a Saturday, and I'm like, let's just pause for a second. I literally paused the TV, yeah. and I said, repeat back to me something that is an irrefutable fact presented by this documentary in the last 15 minutes. They couldn't. But also before that, I feel like I could, through space and time, feel their eyes rolling just I'm now. sure I'm, it was absolutely. <laughs> it was like worse than it. It was like a thousand dad jokes at once. Like I couldn't have been more annoying to my own children. Yeah. Here's the point, But though. they probably couldn't identify anything. Well, and they couldn't. And here's to answer your question. If we're going to challenge ideas in my home, give, give my kids all the ideas you want in your curriculum. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and challenge those ideas mm-hmm. and ask my kids the critical questions and ask them how they're, how they're going to challenge those ideas. Ask them what they're going to do about it. Because if I don't present my children with the opportunity to be intellectual enough to challenge an idea, then I don't think I've raised Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the inspiring critical thought through exposure to mm-hmm. diverse ideas. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's something that uh, kind of goes into something that, that also drives me nuts. So one of those like stop doings, keep doings we occasionally talk about. Yeah. So y- your kid can be exposed to a book that maybe your family might disagree with in an English class, yeah. for example. Um, wh- what are they being exposed to on a daily basis through social media, the internet, yeah. uh, television, Netflix documentaries that is actually more problematic? And you just kind of gave an example. It's something that's presented as fact with actually no facts, yeah. no research, no background, and it's taken as fact as opposed to something that is that is thoughtfully written, um, trying to take into account diverse perspectives, different backgrounds, um, challenge ideas and thoughts, fictionally or, or from a nonfiction standpoint, and we throw that out the window. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Going back to that same example, I did say to my sons, and I, 
And I know that this must be exhausting to every uh, parent out there. Being like, geez, I can't believe I would hate to grow up in this man's house. That, that we have to have these conversations. At. <laughs> uh, but the point, though, is, is you know, I, I told him a story about how I took a group of kids about probably, geez, now 20 years ago, geez, exactly 20 years ago, to to uh, a trip in Europe. Uh, there are kids from a couple different schools here here in our area. Uh, it was during uh, the Second Gulf War, uh, and we were walking through uh, Piccadilly Square. Um, in, in, in London, London yeah. and they're holding up uh, George W. Bush images that, that say world's greatest terrorist on mm -hmm. them. And I just told my kids that story and they're like, okay, dad, what do you get now? I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure George W. Bush is not going to appear in this documentary. Mm -hmm. And I'm not calling George W. Bush uh, a terrorist. I'm simply saying, though, that if every country had their own top five documentarian series mm -hmm. um, that there would be Americans mm -hmm. and American colonialism and American action and American mm -hmm. war in, involved in this concept of like at least the concept of tyranny if not uh, tyrants them, themselves. So mm -hmm. the point being is, is that um, go ahead uh, school you know, take take a, a perspective, go the middle road, um, build a nationalist uh, curriculum. I don't see why we shouldn't have, and this might make you squirm, I don't see why we shouldn't have a pro-American or nationalist curriculum, not at the expense of ignoring what writers have done forever, which is use freedom of speech to challenge uh, con contemporary and, and emerging ideas. But the, my point is, is if, if you ban it, if you give people no, no choice uh, to read it. It doesn't mean it's adopted and utilized, but not every idea I presented in a classroom was, was to be the winning idea. It was yeah. sometimes to consume, to internalize, yes. and it becomes you. Yes. So <laughs> it, let me ask you this question, Brett. Yeah, so I'm not going to, there, there's legislation in several states. So here in Colorado, we, we had legislation in the last year around um, instructional and curricular transparency. So like uh, uh, families can see what's being taught in classrooms, right? We're going to put it on the website. You can see what the books, the textbooks, yada, yada, yada. Um, and, and that always rubbed me a little wrong because the assumption was that, like, we're, we're hiding it. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't, don't look at our textbook. Like, our textbook yeah. uh, talks about something maybe you don't agree with and we don't want you to know so you can counteract it at home. Like, that's all bullshit. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's yeah. asinine. Um, and, and so should parents be involved in understanding what their kids are learning? 100%. Absolutely. But that, the heart of that, that legislation came from a place of, like, we were trying to hide what we were teaching, and, mm -hmm. and we know that to not be. That's not true. Nobody's. We educators want parents to engage their children in asking them about what they learned and thinking about it critically when they go home. There's other states, however, where that legislation is straight out, like uh, yeah. codified as a book ban. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I'm I'm not going to name the state, but there's three states, and I'll tell you they're southeast of of where we are here in Colorado. I'll leave it at that. Um, but in one review that was just published like a week ago, there were something like 355 books that were specifically identified um, as, as books that should be pulled from, from school shelves, from mm -hmm. classroom libraries. Um, there were two themes that emerged that, that the majority of the books fell under um, uh, for reasons why they were being banned. Take a guess. Take a guess. Oh, man. Damn you for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have to say... Um, that people are writing about and have written about for all time, either um, sex drive or sexual relationships that are that are homosexual or defined as homosexuality. So I would say sex sexuality, um, and I would say so that I, I'll tell you that's correct. Um, it, it specifically 
books that uh, addressed LBGTQIA plus yeah, yeah. topics yeah. Um, were were books that were flagged as books that needed to be pulled from shelves. Yeah, so yeah. so not just sexuality in general. Like if it was yeah, heterosexual yeah, that, sexuality, yeah. those were those books were not flagged at yeah. the same rate. So your first guess is correct. Yeah, uh, and then I'd say my 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 second guess would be anything that is is either economic or politically economically related to uh, shared resources, you know, anything that could be called socialist or communist. Um, so not as correct on that one, um, hmm. but uh, the second topic that was identified, and actually these are inverse, this was the number one topic, and, and LGBTQIA plus topics were number two, um, but anything that was considered racially divisive. Oh, okay. Um, and so when we say racially divisive, those were books that were um, written from a diverse perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I know you, you and your kids read uh, relatively diverse texts from, yeah. from a diverse number of authors. And some of those books have been identified as being um, racially, quote, quote, racially charged, and yeah. then therefore should not be taught in schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which is, I mean, it, that's what I mean about the waves. Yeah. I mean, it was really, really just six years ago where our push was, was towards, uh, you know, culturally responsive um, curriculum, where we were looking for authors mm -hmm. Whose whose background? We were both in a district where our entire English curriculum was thrown out yeah. and brought in a new English curriculum that was much more highly uh, perceived to be more highly diverse. Yeah. It ended up actually not being as highly diverse. But as I we mean, thought. the point yeah. was the selection, the yeah. the choice to move their curriculum was to be more culturally responsive, more inclusive, more absolutely yeah. in a a very, um, for lack of a better term, conservative and waspy area. That's totally fine with me. I choose to live here. The point, though, is that we were trying to figure out how we were going to connect and engage with our diverse students in, in our school district. But that that was not a short time ago. And, and as you're speaking about, we are really defending um, the WASP curriculum yeah. at, at, at this point in time. I don't understand. Um, let me let me clarify. We, we are not actively Brett and Marcus. Yeah. Like. Uh, advocating for a strictly yeah. <laughs> waspy uh, uh, text and literature in classrooms, but the pendulum is swinging yeah. culturally now. Yeah, and, and and to give just even more context to what Marcus is saying about the state of Colorado and other states, we're, we're talking about banning curriculum. There was a state that banned advanced uh, advanced placement U.S. American history. Mm -hmm. um, one of the strangest bans I've ever seen, just based <laughs> on this like unilateral curriculum that we that we were being uh, essentially. Um, not nationalist enough. I've never by, t by teaching components of Native American history, yeah. um, segregation, slavery. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and so that was deemed as not nationalistic enough. So they banned AP U.S. history. Yeah, we're talking about banning um, topics. We're not talking about banning like how they're even presented or whether if, like you know it's considered like historically inaccurate. Like we will not teach or, the Trail of Tears. Yeah, like it's not being taught. Yeah, right. So yeah. so what we're talking about is is banning like banning events. Mm. Ban we're, what we're talking about when we ban books and ban curriculum folks, we're talking about banning knowledge. And if you can't deal banning a learning experience within a yes, classroom. Yeah, that's and that's what's happening. That's why banning books week exists. And that's, uh, you know, one of the most interesting things that's happened in my, my life, Marcus, is, is that I, uh, I have this uh, former uh, foreign exchange student who is uh, uh, a soccer player, brilliant soccer player. He's from Holland. So I was 23 years old. He was 18. And uh, I was his soccer coach. 
And we, he was probably the, at that time, me being 23 and him being 18 and in Dutch, probably the most interesting person I knew. He was yeah. probably the person I wanted to hang out with the most. Now he was a kid. So I, we weren't going out and drinking Heineken or anything yeah. like that. Folks so don't worry about it, but we have remained friends over time. He comes back to visit me when he's in his thirties and, um, you know, it's Sunday. So I'm like, Hey man, are you gonna, I knew he was an atheist, his staunch, staunch atheist. So I'm like, Hey, you gonna go to church with us? Yeah. I'm just kind of teasing. Obviously yeah. I expected him to drink some coffee and, and see some things uh, that he hadn't seen in a long time. He's like, he's like, I will, I will go to church with you. If you read the book, the God delusion by, mm. I got by, no, I can't remember the yeah. author. Oh, geez, Fair trade. Fair trade. Yeah. yeah. But the whole point is, is, Different perspectives. Uh, and, yeah. and well, and this guy and I, we 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 love each other. We care about each other. Uh, I know I'm not looking uh, to convert him. Uh, I am a, I am a Christian, and I hope that that's his pathway. But um, I can only win him over with my with my head, and my heart. I can't I can't win him over with like our institutions. Mm -hmm. And he knows he can't win me over with like books and literature. Text. It, yeah. But the whole point was, hey. Our connection is thinking. Let's share ideas. Yeah, yeah. let's share ideas. Yeah. Um, so w extending on the, the banned book or the, the book ban legislation that we're seeing in some states right now, um, the, the, the list is, is lengthy. Mm -hmm. Some of the books that are being banned, like I said, in the hundreds in some places. And so what's happening is, is there are stories coming out of these states now where they're asking teachers to look at their classroom libraries, pull books out that have been flagged, um, by the district or by the state, send lists to the district, the district office, the district then approves them, then they pull them out, then they see reading lists. And, and so that's really onerous of teacher's time, right? Like yeah. we're, they're doing that on their weekends and their evenings. So that's also just kind of disrespectful to teacher's times that a teacher isn't competent enough to screen their own literature. Um, but it's all, so I, I'll circle back to the legislation, but there was a conversation I had recently with a student, with a, uh, an adult age student. Um, and he said, like, man, you read a lot. And I was, well, yeah, it's kind of my job. I have to read a lot. Otherwise, I wouldn't have my job. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, you read a lot. Like, you just really like reading. And I was like, I don't like reading. And mm -hmm. I think that's the fallacy regarding reading is that people who are, quote, good readers like reading. No, there's some stuff that's garbage, and I refuse to read. Um, I am not a, I'm not saying this is garbage, but I am not a big fiction reader. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not a big fan of, of, of fiction. I love nonfiction. Yeah. And that's also kind of part and parcel with the job I have. Um, but I love nonfiction. And so when I read something that resonates with me, I'm going to read through that entire text much more quickly than reading through something that sucks that mm -hmm. I don't personally attach with. And, and so we know some of the best literacy teachers we've ever worked with. What is, uh, what is something the best literacy teachers we've ever worked with in our careers have done? Oh, uh, they've allowed kids to choose what they want to read. Boom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a substantial selection. Yes. And, and so when you say yeah. they allow kids to choose what they read, what do tip kids typically choose? No, they choose things that they connect with personally. Right. You know, and and they also they choose things that are. Uh, well, I'm sorry. We 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 are primarily secondary educators. I don't think that this is different for primary educators. But Good I distinction. Just, Good I just distinction, don't yeah. want to like get that mixed up but our kids middle love school and high school middle yeah. school and high school kids love coming of age stories mm -hmm. whether those are um, science fiction or not they do come down to relationships they do come down to connections with others and their connection to the world but the point and, is and is, can they see themselves yeah, in the characters a thousand a thousand percent yeah. it you know it's it's yeah. about that freedom to explore oneself through through a character well somebody um, from a diverse background 
um, coming to America see themselves in William Shakespeare? Not always. Sometimes, maybe. But if you gave the choice to most students of what text they would choose, they're typically not going to choose A Midsummer's Night Dream. No, and Marcus, yeah. you know this, and this is the most embarrassing thing I hope I ever say on this podcast, but I hate, it won't, it won't be. I hate William Shakespeare. I hated, every, I hated every minute of it. And kudos to those uh, American, or excuse me, those English and British and world lit. How, I mean, I, we know the value of William Shakespeare in our society. Again, diverse Acad- perspectives, historical context. Yes. But for those that can make it interesting and come alive to kids, I salute you because never in my life, and I'm not picking one up, and I will not even put it in my library. You know, I have a library of books that I have read, books that I intend to read, and I intentionally leave William off the shelf completely. I have visited the Globe Theater in London and wondered about his significance and the significance of his plays and the way that the plays were performed and how impactful they were. I will not disregard William Shakespeare as a historical figure. I will just simply say exactly what you were saying is that we've got to allow our children access to whatever is written or thought about. If if a librarian or a teacher wants to say, hey, read the back page again. Is that something that's going to be... You know, cool at home, or or do you understand kind of the challenges that text? I don't, I, I don't mind people uh, or teachers talking to them about that, or definitely say, hey, you know, that's that's on our list of super interesting. Mm-hmm. So why don't you have to get a little bit of a permission slip, or we need to acknowledge for your parents that you're coming home with it? But just the banning of it, yeah. in and of itself, a is uh, first of all for those of you who are trying to ban books, you you do need to know you're only making the books more popular. Yeah, uh, his, history has never looked back on folks who tried to ban books as the heroes. I'll just say that. Yeah. We, in, in American society, we've never had a group of people ban books mm-hmm. in the 40s, and then 80 years later we look back and say, man, they were really right in banning that yeah, book. Yeah, that book's no, done. Th- that, that book is on an English lit shelf right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I've told you this story a, a thousand times, and it's, it's, it's probably a, a stretch for this episode, but it, uh, my father uh, studied, he was a part of a Cold War scholarship I've talked to yeah, you about yeah. this before, and and so I got to go to Germany one year with my brother uh, as a uh, Jesus, as an adult. I was 22 years old, and this is a, a member of the German Parliament, and we're in his house. His um, he studied with my father at the University of Bonn, and he's got an extensive library again. And we know talk about the research on like what what books and and actual academic achievement. I mean, it's not a correlation, it's causation almost mm-hmm. uh, when we get to that point. But the point is he has a, he has a, a big old copy of Mein Kampf right in his library. And I had- So a, Hitler's book. Yeah, and this is, yeah. This, I'm, I'm literally in Potsdam, Germany. Mm-hmm. I mean, just outside of Berlin where he works in the parliament. I said, geez, you know, interesting, a copy of, of Mein Kampf in, in your in I your think I know where you're in your library, an with academic this. would have that book for one reason. Well, and he said yeah. to me, he says, "Oh, don't worry about it. It's like the Bible in America. Everybody has a copy, and nobody reads it." <laughs> That's not what I, where I thought that was going. <laughs> but the you know the point though would be, uh, if he's a member of the German Parliament, and and if he has a head and heart for a progressive, uh, uh, unified, loving, caring uh, Germany that is thriving. He would he would be um, outside of his position to not know his his country's history yeah. uh, and the things that have happened that have led to to events uh, uh, there and within. So, and and so uh, I, I go back to the te- the example of a literacy teacher in that regard. 
So in that case, I would guess that German parla- parliamentarian was not uh, inspired by that book and chosen intentionally. No. But, but we know the best literacy teachers at the secondary level find books that kids see themselves in, and that inspires a love of learning. So when we ban books simply because of diverse perspectives or issues that we know kids are experiencing, whether we like it or not, or whether we put our head in the sand like an ostrich or not, kids are experiencing these topics. And if we ban it, one, it makes it taboo, and we know the mental health effects of that long-term. By making something taboo, that's something organically a kid's experience, and that causes long-term mental health issues. But by simply just banning that book, um, you're, you're creating kind of this cascading series of events um, where uh, the kid's gonna be more interested in it, they're still gonna find it. Hey folks, the internet still exists. Um, and your kid has it in their pocket. And I'll tell you, most parents don't regulate their phones at the level they think they do. Yeah. Um, and, and so whether or not the kid's getting the book in class or not, they're reading the information. Um, the other thing I'll say is these, these districts and these organizations, uh, schools that are banning books, screening books, censoring books, it's, it's in the hundreds. There's lists of hundreds and hundreds of books. So let me ask you this. If you were just to take a wild-ass guess – um, a cor- uh, this is from Pew, Re- uh, Pew Research Survey. What is the average number of books the um, an American reads in a year? Oh, jeez, man, these questions are killing me. This, <laughs> this impromptu style is <laughs> more of a struggle than I thought. Um, I'm, I'm going to get back to that. I'll repeat your question so you know that I remember it. Uh, what is the average number of books an American reads per year? Yep. And that's a really uh, tough question because I do think there's a difference between my mom, who probably reads 100 books per year. Just take a guess, like yeah. right in the middle. But I, I do I, wa- I want to I say this. If you want to ban something, people, don't ban books and don't ban curriculum. Here's what's happening in my house right now. Hey, buddy, what are you learning today? Nothing. Mm-hmm. I know you're learning something. Pull up, pull up. You know, we we call you know, pull up your LMS, your mm-hmm. learning management system. Show me again with that that uh, transparency and curriculum. And I can tell you right now, my kids are engaged by nothing. Go ahead and get my kids to read anything that they'll talk about at home. Mm-hmm. And if I don't like it. <laughs> Then think, there'll be an email. Yeah, it, or there'll be a thank you for giving me a reason to speak to my child about my values without with it, with with another context other than me uh, jamming down dad down their throat. The whole point though is is like if you're not exposing my children to ideas that are worth thinking and talking about, you're not being a school. That's schoolhouse crack. Banning books is a is a crack going towards a schism as, as you've talked about it uh, before. I am going to guess that the average American. Um, well, there's kids. Gosh, I hope little kids are still reading. I haven't. I hope we haven't killed reading. Uh, I read the most when I was a young kid, uh, as compared to now. I imagine I'll read the most in the future. I'm going to say 30 books. Uh, the uh, the average in 2021, according to Pew, is 12.4, 12.4 books. So about a book a month, um, and that's fluctuated actually. That's down from two years prior. Um, where book reading was was up to about 15 books per year. Um, But with the caveat, and and the research didn't dig into this, but just being a researcher myself and understanding um, how data is skewed, we know that, like you said, your mom, your mom, somebody like a a retiree or somebody who's heavily involved in academia or research or literature is reading maybe 100 books a year. Um, At this point in my my personal professional career, um, I'm I'm reading very little personally. Maybe I read a book a month personally, um, but I'm reading about two to three books per month professionally. So I'm, I'm averaging about four books mm-hmm. um, per month myself, which would put me about 48. Yeah. So that's, so I'm a person who's skewing the data 
yeah. positively yeah. one just because of the nature of the field I work with. Yeah. So then we know there's people that are reading either zero, one, or two books, and then I uh, people like academics or your mom are skewing that number more heavily. So it, why why the hell did I bring that up? I don't know, Marcus, <laughs> but I'll just say well, first of all. Uh, I guess if you're bringing that up, I'm going to make a couple of guesses. One is if you're bringing that up, then it seems like a useless process to ban books. If we're not reading too much more than an average of a book per month per person, then then you really don't need to ban them. Mm. <laughs> yeah. In a very sad, and I really say this in a very sad it's like, way. It's like banning hand push lawnmowers. Yeah, that's like yes. there's maybe a couple people still. Yeah, using that's them. that yeah. that's that's kind of yeah. that's kind of what yeah. I mean. Um, I and I also think though that you're 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 bringing that up to say um, whatever it takes to get us reading again. You know, we, you know, when when I talk about my mom reading a hundred books a year, if my mom were here, she would just say, "That was my getaway. That was my thing." You know, my you know, my mom is old enough to have uh, to have had three black and white television channels with a antenna, and they didn't. My mom's family is an immigrant family, so they didn't really even get television or were, weren't really interested in it anyway. So they weren't. Twisting the bunny ears every every Friday night and having popcorn. She grew up in an era where book book reading was the internet plus TikTok plus social media plus cable TV plus right. YouTube, and so she reads because it's uh, she reads mostly uh, fiction. Mm -hmm. It's it's her it's her her place. She connects to the Different characters. Yeah. yeah, and um, I think that books are much more sophisticated. I think that you and I have talked about this before. The, the Netflix shows that, that even we're watching, um, we're remaking old movies because they're not having neat and interesting ideas. Uh, all sci-fi and, and, and all uh, action is, a, is yeah. a, some sort of tiny standard uh, deviation with a, with a m minor hero, almost sometimes with no flaws whatsoever. Yeah. Like books are books are freaking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, and so the you hit on two of the three main points mm -hmm. in why I throw that statistic out there. The other reason being is is in a state and in a school district. Again, I'm not going to mention any states. They're southeast of Colorado. Go back to your basic geography or pull out a map. I think you'll figure out where those states are. If the, your atlas hasn't been banned yet. <laughs> Which, interesting. Different <laughs> different episode. Uh, yeah. However, um, if in a district or, or in a state there have been already 355 identified books as being banned, who the hell's reading these books yeah. that's deciding they need to be banned and who's getting up in arms? I guarantee you there's not a single human being who's read all 355 of those books that made that decision. So, so parents at home, like if, if you're, there's a book your kid might be reading or exposed to that you're upset about, I challenge you, read the book first. Um, read the book if it's something that doesn't you don't like or you don't want your kid exposed to, fine. But you've read it and you have context and you can have the dialogue, Brett, that you talked about with your own children. Yeah. Like this is how this either reinforces or is contradictory to our family values. Um, and just simply looking at the Cliff Notes version or whatever the hell Alex Jones said while wearing a tinfoil hat is not sufficient to ban an entire text. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially when that text is coming from a place of diverse perspectives and experiences that kids are resonating with. Because yeah. the minute we make those things taboo and ban them, they're going to get that information in another way. And we're also extending mental health issues. If it's something that's a diverse opinion, background, or experience um, that kids are experiencing and now we're telling them it's not appropriate for the school setting. So I challenge you, read the damn book. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a risk here. I know I shared this with you uh, a few weeks ago when we decided that banned books was worth um, us talking about. Um, 
It's a letter from Kurt Vonnegut. I, I, don't, I don't read um, much fiction mm. uh, either. I do read Kurt Vonnegut. Okay. Uh, he's my favorite dystopian uh, writer. and um, another, Again, another subgenre that resonates very heavily with teens yeah. because of their life experience. Yeah. And he, he writes a, uh, a letter to a school board that been, had been burning his books. And, and I, I believe, and I'm not 100% positive about this, so if there's an audience member out there that could correct me, that would be awesome. I believe it was Slaughterhouse-Five. Mm. Uh, I'm not 100%. He, um, he was a World War II veteran. He was at the bombing of Dresden. And so there's some really intense uh, scenes in there um, that make us feel bad uh, about being Americans and mm -hmm. you know, our participation in, in destroying a German city. There's also some really interesting references to Christ, which for me as a Christian were, um, I don't they know. They resonated just, with you. Oh, they yeah. really did. Yeah. Uh, they challenged me. They resonated with me. But to get directly to his point, he, he's basically saying, hey, I have not done an interview about you banning my books. I have not written any public response. I am writing to you as the head of the school board. And he says, if you bother to read my books to behave as educated persons would, you would learn that they are not sexy and do not argue in favor of wildness of any kind. They beg that people be kinder and more responsible than they often are. It is true that some of the characters speak coarsely. That is because people speak coarsely in real life, especially soldiers and hardworking men speak coarsely. And even our most sheltered children know that. And we all know, too, that these words really don't damage children much. They didn't damage us when we were young. It was evil deeds and lying that hurt us. There's a lot said in that paragraph. Mm. I, all I'm saying is this to underscore what you're saying is, is if you're going to advocate for the banning of a book, you better know more than the topic or the front cover or the back cover. Read the damn book. Read the book. Yeah. Read the book, then form your yeah. opinion. And if it's contradictory to your family values, your background, your opinions, that's absolutely fine. That's the starting point for a really high-quality conversation yeah. with your kids. 100%. Um, and, and so I know, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up, there are teachers across the country who are gun-shy right now, for lack of a better term. Topics that were discussed um, to inspire diverse opinions and cognitive elaboration, which we're going to talk about in the next episode, and, and starting to take different perspectives within youth. Um, are now the, there's a fear among teachers to have those conversations yeah. um, because of not only uh, 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 job outcomes, but there's actually in some of these states legal outcomes, yeah. both both fines and and up to an extreme of jail time. Yeah, a and I you know I can't think of a time where I've been more concerned about the intellectual. Um, uh, future of American society than at the point we're at now where we're scaring educators uh, into not discussing certain topics and just glossing over them. Because yeah. what's going to happen? It, it, that conversation might not happen in 8th grade. It might not happen in 10th grade. It might not happen in 12th grade. But it sure as hell is going to happen once what we like to say in education, they get out in the real world. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we, can't, we can't shelter them forever. So by not addressing the issue and talking about it and then having a family conversation around it, we're really just delaying the inevitable, and that shock is going to be far greater than talking about it in a safe learning environment. No, and I agree with that. And before you do our sign-off, uh, Dr. Miller Chandler, I just want to give a real huge uh, shout-out uh, to the teachers in the English department at my particular middle school. They all have libraries in their classroom. We have a library in our library, of course, but the point is I walk in and I see two teachers who are collaborating in another teacher's library, and they're just setting up books in different ways. They're talking about um, how kids do look at covers, and they're trying to make the covers instead of the bindings more accessible. They're just trying to get kids to read. They're not trying to get them to read from a 
from a certain agenda or, any, or anything else. But the whole point is, is that there are kids reading out there. Your kids are interested in how others perceive the world and the feeling that they get when somebody helps them understand the world in a better way or in a more challenging way or in a different way. And and Dr. Motor Chandler, I'll start, I'll start I'll sign off and off. As usual, this is my good friend, Dr. Motor Chandler. You can see that he's not only an academic, but a passionate educator, very concerned uh, that, uh, that we examine the cracks within our schools so that we make sure that we can fill them in and live with inside of the challenges so that we can be informed about the institutions that we create. So thank you very much for being here and for helping me out. Absolutely, and as always with me, Mr. Brett Derrickson, mm -hmm. lover of literature, hater of Billy Shakes. <laughs> um, and, and somebody who's an advocate for teachers, inspiring young minds with diverse perspectives. I'll sign off by saying, as always, be sure to like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, download us on all of your favorite podcast channels. Send us your thoughts, comments, ideas about banned books and banned book week at schoolhousecracked at gmail.com and read the damn book. Yeah, read, listen, think, people. Nobody can take knowledge away from, uh, from you or from us. Let's go. Yeah.